No, nah, he's, he's watching the sat phone. Okay. Seven o'clock. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to New Freedom. <laughs> How many of you are, are members here? How many of you are graduates? Come back to short. We appreciate you. Yeah, welcome to Position Neutrality. We open every meeting of position neutrality with a prayer and Wayne's Creed to do that for us tonight. Hey everybody, stand to your feet for us. All right, all right, all right. Oh, I'm messing, I'm messing stuff up. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just invite you in. Speak to the hearts and the minds of these, your people, Lord, and speak through your manservant, Joe. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Wayne. Um, anybody here for the first time tonight? Woo! A few of you? First of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. Um, what we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? Yeah. So what I do is I try and show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience with the book. Fair enough? It may look like I'm trying to tell you what it says, but that's definitely not what I'm trying to do, even if that's what I end up doing. <laughs> I, I am, I'm trying to just share with you an experience I've had as a result of aligning my experience with theirs, because this is just their testimony, and they're describing the infiltration of the spirit, growing in the spirit, awakening in the spirit, and what happened to them through that process. Make sense? So, and you know the goal of 12-step recovery, right? Spiritual awakening. Yeah, to wake up spiritually. A lot of people think it's about abstinence. No, that's just a byproduct of awakening spiritually. Make sense? Okay, so tonight, we're going to take a look at step two, which suggests a process, doesn't it? Because it says, came to believe, which should relieve everybody who thinks you have to believe a certain way to come here. You don't have to believe a certain way to stay here. But if you want what they have and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready. And the first thing we're going to do before we start moving into a decision to do that is we're going to encounter the power they're going to bear witness to. So we're going to have an experience with power and then decide whether we want to enter the process of coming to believe. And it sort of makes sense. You come, you come to, you awaken. Right? right? Well, probably not accidental that they chose those words, is it? Right. All right, so we're in the chapter, We Agnostics, 
chapter 4, and it says in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. Those of you following the book, it's page 44. So I guess we should see if we're with them. In the preceding chapters, did you learn something of alcoholism? Yes. How many of you learned something of alcoholism in active addiction? Yes. So they spend a lot of that first part of the book, over half of the instructions, letting us sort of saturate in that experience of powerlessness and unmanageability before they start talking to us about an encounter with power that can restore us, could restore us to sanity, yes? All right, so then it says, we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Have they made clear that distinction for you? So they got some more questions. It says, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, is that true for you? Stop and stay stopped. Or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, is that true for you? Which of those did you discover first? Don't, don't think Sean has all the answers. Sean has all the answers for Sean. How many of you didn't know you couldn't stop until you tried to stop and couldn't stay stopped? And how many of you just got troubled by your progressive loss of control and sought help? Because that happens too. So if either one of those has happened, then it says you're probably alcoholic. So what's the one symptom that we have in common? Physical craving. Yeah, that, that craving beyond human control. So control's always gonna be the issue. Does that make sense? Okay, so then it says, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. They're not declarative, they're just saying it's, there's a good chance that you're gonna need a spiritual experience to counteract that spiritual experience you've been having. Right. Did anyone ever explain to you that your chemical abuse was a spiritual experience? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to explain it to those of us who took it out far enough because we entered the realm of the spirit, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> That's why they call it spirits. It's not by accident. Okay, so to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So you gotta ask yourself that question. Is your prejudice, your thinking you don't believe? I don't believe in God or I don't believe God can. I forgot to say that. This group's quirky. So when I say God, they say Because we don't want anyone confused. We're not talking about a theology. We're talking about a sensory, tangible experience of power from within, okay? All right, so anyone feel or did feel yourself to be atheist or agnostic? God cannot be proven to exist or God does not exist. Yeah. Okay, so did it seem impossible to you when people said this spiritual approach was gonna awaken you spiritually? Yeah. yeah, because I don't believe in it, right? Okay, but to continue as he is means disaster. How many of you concluded at least that? Yeah, most of us don't come here because we think we need a better theology. No. Yeah. We come here because we tore up from the floor up. 
especially if he's alcoholic of the hopeless variety. How many of you have concluded that might be true for you? Like you saw other methods work with people you were running with and they didn't work for you? Me too. (laughs) I was a slow learner. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. That's funny. (laughs) Do you know why Sean finds it humorous? How many of you got here just tore up? And I, man, I'll take anything. Okay, well, you need to come to believe. Oh, screw that. (laughs) Let me get back to you. So it is kind of funny, isn't it? Happy, joyous, and free, alcoholic death. Pick one. I'm going to need to pray on it. (laughs) Yeah, right. All the responses. So we're just trying to get what's really been going on versus what's really going on, right? What's been going on in my thoughts versus what experience I need and seek. All right. So says, but it isn't so difficult, but half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. What type? So half the original fellowship, they said there were about 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, so about half of that 100 believed themselves to be atheist or agnostic in the beginning. Now here's the good news, they didn't stay that way, not because I said so, because they said so in their testimony. Right? So it said at first some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholic. How many of you had the I'm not that bad yet? Or at least I'm not as bad as that guy. How many of you kept one around that was that was just a little worse than you? When I get that bad, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something about it. But after a while we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. How many of you didn't come to that conclusion until you sobered up for a little bit of time and you got the grace to just get miserable and not go off again? Because that happens in our fellowships. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So what they're witnessing to is no matter what they thought in the beginning, the process of coming to believe changed their mind. They did awaken to a tangible sensory power from within. They didn't all agree on the theological experience of it. Does that make sense? Okay. So if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So how many of you tried changing your playmates and playthings? How many of you changed your city, county, or state? How many of you changed your country? Yep. That's that's kind of a discovery, isn't it? I'm just going to get away from these people. And there they were waiting for me when I got there. But we found that that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might But the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. 
They're going to talk to us about how this spiritual malady manifests in us later in the chapter, and we'll take a look at that. But what they're telling us is regardless of what your belief system is, all of us have been in a thought storm. You ever had troubling thoughts that caused you to emote in troubling ways? Or it's just raging within you, and even though you know it's not serving you, you cannot get out of it. So what the authors found is this power was power to philosophically comfort them. Some of you are feeling that. Who's feeling that? That's a tangible power and a really powerful reason why you might want to let go of your prejudice and come to believe. Because if you don't ever take me to church, I can tell you I have to be philosophically comforted on the regular. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says lack of power, that was our dilemma. Anybody else? It says we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Notice the words. They're very intentional with words. I hear people all the time say, I don't need God to get sober. Good for you. I mean, I think that's great, but this isn't power to get sober. I already told you that. It's power to live. So it's logical it has to be a power greater than me. Because the only thing operating in me was that day at a time suicide mission I was on. And then one day it stopped and I started going in another direction. This is power to live. Got to be a power greater than me because there was no one to live in that guy. In fact, he died back there someday, and now I tell stories about him. Does that make sense? Okay. So, said, obviously, but where and how are we to find this power? Well, that'd be the question. If it's starting to make a little sense, who do I got to call? Right? You got a guy? <laughs> you always have a guy. Let's not leave you hanging. Let's go to page 55. One of the things you'd never want to do, how many tweakers we got in the room? So you never leave them people hanging long. Because they will rearrange the furniture. Here. Yeah, it's not good. Okay, so on page 55, they're going to tell us where and how. See if you pick up on it. Page 55, second paragraph down. Actually, we were fooling ourselves. So who's we? The first 100, and probably particularly that half of them that thought themselves atheists or agnostic. They said, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. That's really good. I appreciate you guys. So where are we going looking? All right, that's cool. We got that much. Then it says, it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it's there. What is the it they're talking about? The power. Yeah, we got to find this power and this fundamental idea of God is apparently power to live. Does that make sense? And it's going to be found deep down inside. How many of you were looking for happiness and joy in the world. When this happens, I'll be happy. When that stops happening, I'll be happy. If you get out of this, get me out of this, I'll be happy. 
For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of oh, this is a good group. Good work. Was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. They're calling our attention to a movement of the spirit. We're not saying that this power is an emotion or a feeling. I'm not saying that. I'm saying your awareness of emotion and thought is this power. Right. So we're going to start calling you attention to the experiencer of your thoughts and emotions, not your thoughts and emotions. So if you have the capacity to bring to consciousness how you feel about a friend, you know enough about God to get started. Power. Does that make sense to you? Some of you are looking at me like I got two heads. Okay. All right, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. So now they've told me where, where am I going looking? And how am I looking? Sometimes I'm going to have to search fearlessly. Starting to make sense why I'm going to make a decision to move into a process, the first step of which is a searching and fearless moral inventory of me. Does it make sense? Find out what's been obscuring my consciousness of this power within me. All right, so says he was as much a fact as we were. Now that isn't all that profound of a testimony for people who say they believe, but what about the ones that said they didn't believe? Every one of them agreed on every word in this book. Something to consider. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. Profound truth. Just because you awaken and start growing in the spirit doesn't mean you stop. It's not a one and done. You've got to continue to grow. Because... I'm going to get out in the world and I'm going to be free of my chemical problems and I'm going to manufacture other problems. And I still got to go inward. Does it make sense? That's why it's a manner of living. We don't explain that to people enough. It's not about sitting in rooms. This is the fellowship. It's about disciplining my thoughts, taking captive every thought, submitting it to the power within. Yes? Okay. All right. So let's go back. Then they say on page 45, well, that's exactly what this book is about. What's that? To find a power. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. How many of you are a little relieved that this power you're going to find is going to solve your problem? rather than saying you're going to solve your problem. How many of you have tried to solve your problem with the mind that created it? How'd that work? Anyone here has solved your job problem with joblessness? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. So that means we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral, and it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to the new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. Power. 
for we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. Any of you remember your first day or days in recovery and everyone said, look, all we do is just don't pick up. Plug in the jug, that's what we do. And it sounded like a glorious plan until I got to considering perhaps I overreacted. Anybody? And it seemed to be working for other people, but I could not maintain my seat. And then I started thinking about the logic of it. Any of you drinkers in here? How many of you kept that plug after you pulled it out of the jug? I ain't never saw a plug after it came out. We won't be needing that. So I might have a different thing going on than some of the people I heard. That doesn't make them wrong, but it definitely doesn't sound like my plan. I better read this book. So it says, we know how he feels. We've shared his honest doubt and prejudice. That's all you got to do if you're new to this or you're not getting, I don't care if you've been here 20 years and you think what's up with you is good. If you're good, I'm good. But if you think you're missing something, then what you have to do is come to one of us and share your honest doubt and prejudice. And if you will do that, we are obligated in the spirit to make your introduction. And we will. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. Anybody? To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Any of you have an overdose of religion in your childhood or, or saw some real cruelty from religious people? So that can happen. Those were people. That wasn't the power. But we'll, I'll apologize to you from here. If you had a bad religious experience or a bad recovery experience, I'm sorry that you had that experience. Come talk to us. We'd like for you to have a different experience. Yeah. Fair enough? Okay. So perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many of you just didn't think that the ideas people were putting forth could be all that it is? Sometimes it just does, it seems limiting, doesn't it? With that rejection, we imagined we'd abandoned the God idea entirely. I always like to call to your attention right there. How many of you understand that abandoning the God idea is probably the first thing you've got to do to grow into the God experience? Because if he could be defined, he wouldn't be what we come to learn he is. Does that make sense? So you're always in the process is what I'm trying to say. I feel a bunch of you feeling that. Who's feeling that? Yeah, he, he's here. Wayne praised him here. He's here. Believe it. He's invited here. He lives in these halls. Believe that. All right. So, so we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. Any of you had that problem? Because of maybe your experience, family didn't like religious people. If you meet most of us in the spirit, we don't like religious people either. Just <laughs> the truth. Um, we looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. And it, I know those are a lot of big words, but you hear what they say, 
And maybe they point you to their book and the book says something different than what they're saying. Someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other one instead. How many people do you see would quote that to you and then come at you lashing? So it can be confusing, can't it? Okay, that's all I'm trying to say. So I'm like, like, none of it's true. How many of you had the same experience in recovery? Came in and it was sometimes, sometimes we get treated in a very unlovely way. Yeah? yeah. We don't shoot our wounded? No, because you like to kick the shit out of us for a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all right. How are you doing? Is it spilling? Oh, I didn't even open it yet. Okay, so we looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. Powerly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? You ever had a question like that? Did you ever just get beat up enough that you contemplated the possibility and then thought, well, how, how could this be so? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Anybody? The supreme being theoretically could comprehend a supreme being, being one. Yeah? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? How many of you have been out in nature and saw something so inspiring that it almost was an out-of-body experience? This is an important point, so I'm going to stray a little bit from text. How many of you have been in a dangerous situation in your life? Did you notice in the point of real danger, time seemed to slow down? When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. It's one of the names for this power that we talk about. Where's my athletes? Wannabe athletes. Should be. <laughs> Most of you got a case before you got to be a real athlete. Um, you ever made the perfect catch, perfect dive, perfect throw, perfect shot? <laughs> you gotta know who I'm talking to. <laughs> when that happened, like there was no thought or effort on your part, you knew you were going to make this impossible play, yes? When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. Another one of the names we call this power. So did everyone who cares to share one of those experiences? I see nothing. Did you or not? This is an important point because we're about to get into some more says there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. How many of you have had experiences like that and then they just blotted out and you went right back to war with the world? Okay. So now they're gonna, this is why I wanted you to own if you had one of those experiences. Yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. So if you've had those thoughts and experiences, and I now have introduced you to what that power really was that you experienced, you're starting to grow in your ability to make a conscious decision to grow in an awakening to that power within you. Yes? yes? Should make logical sense. You cannot move into a conscious relationship without examining it with your logical senses. So if I'm making sense to you, then we're on track. Right. And if I'm not making sense, either I don't understand it well enough, or you're being obstinate, and I don't know which, right? Okay, so 
We found that as soon as we are, let us make haste to reassure you, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Power. So now you know why when I say God, Power. You say power, because some of us have beliefs that are limiting us from growing into our better selves. And so we've got to get past that prejudice. So none of us can fully define or comprehend, no matter where we are. But we want to call your attention to the power, because it is that power that informs. Yes? Okay. So says, much to our relief, we discovered we need, did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why not? God's not a conception, and none of us can fully define or comprehend. So why do I need your conception? I'm more interested in your experiences and, and call to my attention mine. You know why I call to your attention the experiences I'm having? Because it's happening in you, too, or I wouldn't be aware. So I just need to know which of you are having that experience so you understand you've had your encounter. You can quit not believing based on a bad theological experience because whoever you are and whatever you're thinking, he's here now to collect you. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and affect a contact with him. I've had people say, why do I got to contact him? Well, you don't. But it seems that if I don't take some action to affect the contact, it goes by without my notice. Because now that I've learned that when time seemed to slow down, when I made that impossible catch, when I did all those things, I already was experienced. He was knocking at the door. I didn't know what was up. Right. Make sense? All right, so as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So, new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. What do you imagine those are? We're in two. Maybe three through 12, repeat. We found that God does not make too, too hard terms with those who seek him. My job is to seek inwardly for my guidance and direction because if I seek out in the world, I'm misled by the desires that rage within me. Anyone else have that problem? I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I didn't want to do. Just didn't turn out that way when I focused out there. To us, the realm of the, spot, the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. We're talking about the family of men. So anyone in the human family, you are, have an open door to this power to recreate lives. And not only yours, but to relieve suffering for others. Does it make sense? So when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. 
Now guys, it, that doesn't mean God as we understood him, which people, God as we understood, they're the we, right? So they understood God to be this tangible experience. They wrote this whole book around it. So it's not a God of my understanding because the God of my understanding was a whiskey bottle and a syringe full of whatever. I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to, but God met me where I was and he gave me a new experience. He gave me life. And in that process, I had no life that way. In this life, I have it abundantly. Does that make sense? So the conception is wherever I am, that's where he meets me. Wherever you are, that's where he meets you. You don't have to put on airs because there are no secrets in the realm of the spirit. This applies too to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against certain spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So we'll get triggered by certain words and they'll stop us from, because we've got this block that says this means that and so that's not for me. Yes? So what I gotta do if I wanna get well is I'm gonna have to go to a quiet time and see why is that word stopping me from moving forward in that which I want so desperately? Why am I allowing this to happen yet again? At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. See how careful they are to say that? Conscious relation means I'm aware that I'm aware that there is a power in me, but not of me. And that's the God they understood, but their understanding didn't stay the way it was because as they grew in the spirit, they got his understanding. So it's always in past tense, God as I understood him. Guys, they studied the Bible for four years before they wrote down this testimony. I ain't making this up. Don't believe the guy in the back of the room that's miserable. Believe the authors who have been delivering people for years. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere, so we used our own conception, however limited it was. You know how unimportant your conception really has to be to start growing? All you have to do is admit that whatever has been going on with you, you can't get out of it by yourself. Right. If you'll make that admission, he'll do the rest. That's right. Same reason I never had to be convinced to take the second drink. Because yeah. the power took over. He did the drinking after that. None of you had that problem? Where's my heroin addicts? You know, no one ever had to talk you into another one, huh? Okay, so we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? And guys, they've already told you that they came to believe. I got in front of you where the where and how was, but they're just asking you to cop to life hasn't been going so well. We don't get here on a winning streak. Your relationship with creator is your relationship with creation. If you're having a shitty time in creation, check in with creator. That's all we're telling. Okay, so 
As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. How can they be so emphatic to assure him? Because they felt it. How many of you work with people? You take them through a fifth step and you feel that burden come off them. It's sensory, isn't it? So I can emphatically assure you you're on your way because we'll share an experience of the Spirit. You may not stay on track. I'm not saying that. I've seen them go off the rails. I've, I've shared the experience of the Spirit with many people who died in their addiction. And the only thing I can figure out is it was time to meet up because they were heading home. I don't have to figure that shit out anymore. It's above my pay grade. So it's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. That was great news to us, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. Any of you get taught that or felt that way? See, you see, because some of us like to be perfect in everything, right? I'm not going to speak till I can be eloquent. Maybe I don't need to be eloquent. Maybe I need to be authentic. Hmm. Because I can be worked with when I'm authentic. And when I'm authentic, I'll know whether you like the real me. And if you don't, I'm probably not going to convince you otherwise. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believed. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. How many of you have had that experience? Yeah. Heard somebody speak, they were inspirational, and then you were struggling. Oh, boy, I wish I'd be like that. I want to break it to you. If you're still sitting within the sound of my voice, you are exactly like that. You have it, you just need to awaken to it. You wouldn't be here otherwise. Right. We don't have any accidents here. Right. Who's feeling that? Yeah. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Any of you ever had that happen to you? Yeah. You're a little bit sensitive? And then maybe that drove some of your obstinacy. Maybe it was all because you didn't like the words they used or the way they dressed. You ever seen someone that you walked in and you just knew you hated that son of a bitch? <laughs> didn't know nothing about him. And then on some other level you had an encounter and you realize, wow, I never knew any of It's amazing. This person is absolutely amazing. So those kinds of things will stop us from growing. Some of those people that we've got the most hatred toward, they're the ones that hold our healing. So many of us have been so touchy that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feeling. So what they're talking about is that bodily response, the thought and emotion loop. We think we've got to abandon them all at once, but the mind's going to keep going back to something if we don't occupy the mind. It's just going to, new thoughts are going to come. So we're going to, we're going to learn to 
Instead of pointing it at people, we're going to deflect. That's not a useful thought. Okay, that's a good thought. Yeah? Okay, so faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. So whatever your addiction, whatever you got going on that's now threatening the peace of your life, you've got to at least be reasonable. Yes? If you're not reasonable, then what they learn from their experience and I've learned from mine is I will go get another dose of get reasonable, Joe. And it's not necessarily a drink. It's all kinds of crazy behavior. Okay, so it finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Some of us, this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. How many of you found your active addiction a tedious process? How many of you had some clean time and didn't really do the spiritual growth part and found that a tedious process? Yeah, we got to be more clear, guys. We're not trying to tell you how to think, we're just telling you you're missing out on an experience. Because I'm made to crave something. As a human being, I'm made to crave. And if someone doesn't point me in the right direction, I'm going to go get in some shit. <laughs> the reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are some good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. The practical individual today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? So Sean, in his eloquent way, is sharing with us <laughs> that he has experienced the effects of electricity, even if he couldn't fully define or comprehend the theory of electricity. Does that make sense? Some of you sort of maybe have a simpler explanation, but I know electricity exists because I too have been shocked. Okay. So it says, everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? He shared some of it. He's, but we also experience the effects by turning on a light, going back and setting the thermostat, whatever, right? Okay. Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. So now they're pointing us back inward. What do I see, feel, direct, and use, and always look somewhere else. So I've had access to this power, but I didn't always feel empowered. That makes it in me, but not of me. Yeah? I've, I've discovered that when I use it to help another, I often have access to more than I need. Any, any of you had similar experiences? Okay, so everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It's constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate 
the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so, we have no reason to doubt it. So they're talking about something unimaginative like a girder, like a support member in a building, and I see a support member, so I stand under it confidently. What I know, because science tells me, is that it's not that solid beam, it's a whirling mass, it's a light body whirling around at incredible speed. Does it make sense? Yeah. And I don't question any of that. They tell me the human body is what, 90 some percent water? Yeah. How many of you have tried to stack water? <laughs> and get it to animate? So intuitively, I'm looking at a whole room full of water. <laughs> I just, we're, we're trying to question what we believe the sources versus what we experience so that we can start growing in experiences rather than sights or at least balance it out so that we have a better navigation sense in the world, yes? Because my senses are here to protect me, but when they're over-exaggerated, they protect me from things I need. Denise and I went to the clemency board yesterday and they were doing a seminar on mindfulness. And the, I had prejudice in my mind about the practice of mindfulness, so I never listened until the lady taught the class and said, if you have trouble sleeping, it's because you've got depression going on and anxiety going on at the same time and your, job, your brain is doing its job, it's not safe for you to sleep. That's what I said, huh? So then I started watching how much of my thought life was in anxiety or depression and I realized as hard as I tried to focus, I, would, I had not built up that muscle. Mm. Yeah. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not as present as I think because my mind is still telling me I'm not safe. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, so science tells us so we have no reason to doubt it when, however, the perfectly logical assumption that underneath the material world and life as we now see it, there's an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. Any of you do that? Someone shared a powerful experience with you, told you what the experience was, and then you went, nah. <laughs> Most of us in this room have been spared from some gnarly stuff. And the next time a sign of trouble comes, oh, I'm over now. Did it all for nothing. First of all, I didn't do any of it. And second of all, I'm 100% successful of getting through all the shit that has come at me in my life. And I didn't even try to avoid it. I dove right into it. So I know I was protected by this power. Yes? Anyway. So, it says, we read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Now, think about that logically. How is it possible this whole realm we live in needs no power to explain it? None of us would make that argument. There's power everywhere. They play a record in a... They don't even do records anymore. <laughs> but they make a sound somewhere and it goes across the world. 
somebody in Iceland or something's watching us right now. Where's the wires? Where's the snow? Where's the glaciers? We're crossing borders without even trying to, standing in here tonight. No power to explain it? Makes no sense, does it? That's why we, when I say God, you say, so that people with prejudice can lay that down. Okay, so were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, proceeds nowhere. How many would have to admit that your life in active addiction looked like that? How many of you have had the experience of life in abstinence feeling just exactly like that? Yeah, that's why you want to grow in the spirit, not, not because it's a rule, because for me, Living in this realm very long without the ease and comfort that comes from the Spirit is impossible. I do not live abstinent. If I'm not inebriated in the Spirit some percentage of the time, I am a train wreck. And they're not pleasant to be with. And I know you guys that know me well know that, you know, I'm not always pleasant to be with when I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm looking right at Maddie over there. Okay. So... Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. And then they say rather vain of us, wasn't it? And if we just read through there, we may not know or let it gloss over, but let's consider it to see if we agree with them. You understand what the alpha and the omega is, what they're talking about? The beginning and the end. So how many of you had conscious participation in your coming into the world? Most of us probably had parents or something that may have made that decision Maybe not without a full thought of what the consequences of their decision was. So we, but the truth is, we don't know much about the beginning where that occurred. True? Correct. How many of you watched a lot of people die doing the very thing, same things you were doing? How many of you wished it would be you because you were done? So apparently we don't know all that much about the end because I'm assuming all of you are still living in here now. How many of you have time spans within your life that you don't have any recollection of? So I don't know the beginning, I don't know the end, I don't know a whole lot about the middle. So one would have to assume that's rather vain, yes? So now we're with them, rather vain of us, wasn't it? So it says, we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice even against organized religion. We've learned that whatever the human frailties the various faiths may be, these faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. They're not talking about the theology, they're talking about the faith, the substance of things unseen. How many of you hoped for something and didn't see it right away? How many of you walked into something better than what you hoped for? That's why you want to operate in faith. 
People of faith have a logical idea what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices, which we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, which we should have thought ourselves. And have you been that guy in recovery or in your church family that you could find all the faults of everybody in that room? But you were having trouble staying, and then maybe you just rejected it, because that, that place sucks. That doesn't work. <laughs> How many of you went back to your recovery rooms or your churches, and there was always that one guy that came up, man, it's so good to see you here. I'm glad you're back. Everything okay? Any of you know, ever meet him? Someone that took an interest in you, didn't care what you'd been doing, didn't even ask what you'd been doing. Just wanted to know how you were doing. You ever had that experience? Yeah. Focus on them. They're there. Um, we gotta, we gotta confront those thoughts that have been limiting us, and we've gotta go out and move tangibly into those things that scare us to see what it is. Because as we get on the other side of fear, that's where faith resides. Okay. So I want to do one thing because we're going to run out of time. It says, in the middle of the page 50, on one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in. Notice how gaining access to always comes before believing in. We're not asking you to believe in something you can't examine with your logical senses. Anyone that tells you less is not telling you the truth, probably because they don't know the truth. Don't be mad at them. I'm telling you the truth, and I'm telling you the truth has a name. It also has a signature. Yes. Yes. So you can check it against the signature from me that you're feeling because it ain't my signature. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. The book is called Alcoholics Anonymous. The story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Doesn't matter what anyone tells you in any fellowship room, and you don't have to correct them. Just know this is testimony, and this is the first 100th witness of the first several thousand, and it's the title of the book. So now they're talking to you about their experience. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you need a revolution in the way you live and think? On the regular, yeah? Then it says, in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. I can't emphasize it any more than that. Flowing power, not dribbling, not trickling. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in, and that is what they bear witness power. to. Next week we'll make a decision.